We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You're listening to the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy. Hey everyone, it's Charlotte Jonesy here, the women's coach. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life Podcast. On this show, I'll be sharing the highs and lows of life with helpful hints, tips and experiences. I want to inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone, to turn your pain into purpose and create your own version of success. As a life coach, mindset mentor and mum, I am passionate about helping women through life challenges. My guests and I will get uncomfortable so that you can feel comfortable bringing you a real, honest and unfiltered view. To me right now, this bed is for sleeping. It is not for sex. I need sleep. Get off me. I need to go to bed. Like, it's the last thing on my mind. So I posted on my stories about that and people were like, oh my God, like, thank you so much for mentioning this. I thought I was abnormal. I thought there was something wrong with me. everyone welcome to the unfiltered life podcast i want to welcome lottie to the podcast today she is a mummy content creator who is normalizing the imperfect parent on her instagram channel and i am so here for that she is completely unfiltered on her social media with her two little ones and i love what she shares so i know you're going to love this one in today's chat we discuss everything from postpartum sex to relationships after having a baby the pressure of being a perfect parent and what a load of bollocks that is to mum judgment and a lot more so Lottie's just like myself on social media and we're both kind of on this mission to unfilter all the bullshit that you know what we're presented with in motherhood so welcome to the unfiltered life podcast hello thank you for having me it's so good to be here I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I'm just done with this like perfect motherhood thing it is not real I know and do you know what it's quite interesting that this is such a new concept I feel like I mean you Mm. tell me because you've got a two and a half year old right Mm. so back when you had your two and a half year old did you feel like it was that kind of perfect parenthood that you were seeing online definitely not as much as it is now I mean there was still always this sort of pressure felt on social media to try and be perfect, even though perfect isn't isn't really a thing. But I definitely feel like it's coming out there a lot more because there's a lot of things around sort of gentle parenting and all of these things going around on social media. Mm. And yes, these things are lovely and they're great to try and put into practice. But in reality, it doesn't always happen. And I'm sure you know that as well with, with Leo. I think it's getting a bit more and more and more on social media and it just has to stop really because it's putting too much pressure on mums to be perfect when there is no such thing as a perfect mum. No and this is something that you speak about on your own Instagram channel isn't it and you've done like reels that I really love because there is this like Mm. you know being a a good mum or the perfect mum and like what does that even mean? Like, is that, that's not a thing unless you are being mm. actually, you know, abusive to your child or, you know, the ways that we all know as mums what is wrong and what is right. Mm-hmm. Then really, I don't think anyone can mm. say that's bad parenting because it doesn't even come with a manual. Like, No, exactly. You're left to it. <laughs> You're not told exactly what to do with a child. And some days you just have to do what you do to get yourself through that day, to survive that day. And if that means locking yourself in the bathroom for five minutes while you have a little bit of a cry, then do that. If that means giving your toddler a McDonald's for lunch so that you don't have to prepare, you know, one of these organic, perfect, amazing meals that you see on Instagram, then do it like nobody is perfect you're gonna have these moments of imperfection as mums and you just have to do what you got to do to get through and to survive as a mum and people need to stop shaming others for doing these things where do you think the shaming comes from I really don't know I definitely think it is a social media thing I definitely think 
that people portray this sort of perfect mum on Instagram. They want to show that they're giving their child these amazing organic meals and setting up these activities that you do and taking them on lovely days out. And I know every mum does these things once in a while. They'll give them nice organic food. They'll take them on nice days out, do nice activities. But it's not a thing that you're doing 100% of the time. And I think where people are getting caught up is that they're showing these perfect things on their Instagram and creating a highlight reel. And people are thinking that that is what their life is like 100% of the time. And people are then subsequently feeling the pressure. They're doing the same. They're trying to achieve the same. But actually, it's just not achievable if you want to maintain your sanity. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm. You just speaking about like the highlight reel. This actually popped into my head yesterday because I've been sharing Leo's weaning journey like Mm. and the reality of it. And actually, I've just found it really overwhelming. And it is because of Instagram. It is because of social media. And even some of the books I find really overwhelming because it is about giving your child all organic. And, you know, and it's almost like the the pouches are almost taboo and it's like oh you shouldn't give like your pouches but when I speak to like say my nan and granddad about this they were like god when like the little jars came out they were like the best thing ever so Mm. it's really shifted in terms of what is considered good and bad like when it comes to weaning yeah and yesterday I didn't have any food in And I was like, oh, crap, like I'd run out of bread, like it was mouldy. So I was like, we shouldn't give that to him. (laughs) And I was like, I don't have any eggs. I don't like I have been trying to do like the baby led weaning for breakfast. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, he's going to have to have a pouch. And I have been doing that some dinners. Mm. But I guess I haven't shared that actually on my social media. So you just speaking about the highlight reel is that people might think that actually from their perspective, they might be looking at my and going oh she's doing really well actually she's feeding him this and that and I get DMs sometimes you know oh you're doing really well on this journey and like yeah I have got gained more confidence in it but that's not to say that when I'm running out of you know like food or time and you don't always have time to go to the shops to go and do a big shop either so it's okay to go and get like one of those pouches as well but it's funny because it's seen as not yeah. so good to give them that, isn't it? Like you just being like McDonald's. Sometimes you just got, <laughs> at least you fed them, for God's sake. <laughs> Starving them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess where does this like perfect parenting mm. come from? I feel like the pressure just needs to be taken off, doesn't it? And yeah. this is something that I love what you're doing mm. as well when you're sharing kind of that and normalising that as in like completely going against that and being an Im- mm. even saying imperfect parent just makes you think, but, but you're not being an imperfect parent. You're just being a parent. <laughs> Yeah, just being normal, just being a mum. But I also think that sometimes as well, saying about the highlight reels, I sometimes accidentally forget to put things on there. So people might be just forgetting to put the sort of imperfect side of things on there. Because I know the other day I was posting uh, about some activities that I'd done with Bella. I was making some cakes and then we did some sort of messy play. And I posted them on Instagram literally just a quick like snap and go because I was frantically rushing around with a screaming baby she was doing my head in she'd wet herself as well you know one of those days where you're just like but I quickly snapped the cakes and I quickly snapped the messy play and I put them on my stories and then when I looked through my stories later on that day I realized that my day looked perfect like she had this nice breakfast we made some cakes we went for a walk in the sunshine we did some messy play the baby was asleep and it just looked so perfect and I thought that couldn't be further from what my day was actually like and by the end of the day I was like ready to down my bottle of wine because I was I was done so Some people might be accidentally posting a highlight reel. They're not doing it on purpose. They're not doing it to make anyone else feel any less of a mum. But it's just kind of the way you've got to look at what you're posting and how it comes across to your audience. 
And that's why now I'm, I really focus on making sure that I'm not portraying a life that is perfect. And I show every single bit of my life, not just the good bit. Yeah, that's really good. Actually, what you just said there is in like, sometimes we forget because usually in those imperfect moments you know inverted commas Mm. they're the ones where you're rushing around or you're doing something so Mm. crazily aren't you like you just said Leo literally did a shit on my dress when before we were going out I mean I I I managed my story still but needless to say that kind of in the end I mean it actually all I keep swearing in this podcast but it actually all went to shit like we were meant to have like a really nice date night you know Mm. it was the first night that we were ever meant to you know be together oh god I don't even know since we got together Mm. and because of lockdown and everything Mm -hmm. so I was really looking forward to it and in the end we didn't have a babysitter and then we had Leo and then it was the wrong time couldn't take him to this really fancy restaurant we could have but I just felt like he was going to be screaming at that point because he drew a nap and Mm -hmm. anyway like I could have shared all of that but actually that would have been a really long story so instead I just posted like my Nando's rapper you know like oh this is how it ended to be honest it weren't like the glamorous (laughs) but just what you're saying like you don't share the ins and the outs sometimes because actually you're dealing with what's going on in that situation or scenario aren't you yeah Exactly. So yeah, we just need to focus more, don't we, as mums on posting the the imperfect moments so that it doesn't put that pressure on because maybe that is where the the pressure is coming from. Yeah. And maybe we just need to share more of our like the foods that we're giving rather than the organic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But actually, I don't know about you, but I don't spend my Sundays chopping up vegetables all day every day like I have done it and I've frozen them and Mm. I've you know done what the books told me to do but there's sometimes where you're too knackered to do things like that yeah you just have to get a mix of both don't you like today I've done a bit of messy play with Bella this morning but then after lunch I stuck her in front of the tv for a bit so I could have a scroll on Instagram but you just gotta do a bit of both haven't you oh don't say tv lottie <laughs> tv oh my god <laughs> god I, I could i could have said tablet she's got her amazon tablet thing and when i posted that on my stories jeez what did i do <laughs> did you oh really did you actually get an influx of people coming at you oh yeah i had bailey was on the boob literally feeding and I was taking a picture of him feeding and she was next to me on her tablet while I was feeding. So it's not even as if I could have been doing anything else with her. Oh, my goodness. Out came the mum please. Oh, my word. Uh, I always get them. I always get the mum please. Yeah, well, you will do when you share like the unfiltered. It was the same when I was sharing the weaning journey. That's why I wanted to create this podcast as well, just to mm. have these conversations without having like an influx of, mm. like you said, the mum please like, yeah. telling you off for doing a certain thing. But yeah, I mean, how do you deal with those kind of dms or like the negativity normally sort of pre having bailey because he's only four months old so i guess the hormones are still quite high i'm still sleep deprived sometimes a bit emotional so Mm. pre having him i would just kind of back them away just reply kill them with kindness block them get them off my page because i don't want them on my page don't want them following me if they're going to be negative nellies But after having Bailey, I got a lot of backlash because we had a lot of issues with breastfeeding, ended up having to combi feed and then subsequently switched to formula. So I got a lot of backlash when I started speaking about combi feeding and formula feeding. And the backlash from that really got to me because I was already struggling. Mm. And it's kind of like kicking someone when they're down. Why would you why would you go at a mum that is already struggling with breastfeeding and kind of put your put your two pennies worth in like you you wouldn't. So that got to me. But having said that, if they were to say anything to me now, now that I've had time to kind of reflect on it and I've realized that the decisions that I made are the right ones for us now looking back I I know that I kind of responded in the wrong way and if they were to say that now I would respond in a totally different way so I think you just kind of you have to realize that the decisions you're making are the best for your family 
there is no such thing as a perfect parent so just do you and what anyone else has to say is on them it's not on you at all like who do they think they are sitting behind their keyboard judging you so yeah that's basically how I need to respond from now on without any hormones and sleep deprivation (laughs) yeah but the thing is hormones and sleep deprivation do wild things to us (laughs) they can make us absolutely mental (laughs) yeah yeah they do sleep deprivation is torture isn't it oh my god it is it is it's no wonder they use it as a torture method seriously yeah it it really is and it can well, it even makes your emotions even more rife, really, doesn't it? Because it, it mm. sends you into, you're not quite in your right mindset. Mm-mm. You're not in a good place mentally mm. because you're literally surviving on nothing. Mm-hmm. Like the difference that you feel when your baby's had like, even just waking up once in the night. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I feel like a different person. Mm-hmm. Even getting like a solid three hours, I was like, oh, this is new. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Because before he was literally sleeping for like maybe an hour at a time and by the time you kind of get yourself to sleep you're up again so yeah sleep deprivation is not cool but you get through it don't you oh yeah and actually it comes in kind of peaks and valleys you know you're kind of up and down up Mm. and down and eventually it kind of levels out I can actually hear Leo in the background now (laughs) (laughs) there's like regressions and then teething and then so many other things and yeah you've just got to let it happen and just kind of not stress too much about them not sleeping because my two and a half year old still doesn't sleep through the night so just really well she did for a little bit and then she didn't and then she did and then the baby came and she just hasn't since then so we're just going with it yeah I mean well well done to you (laughs) actually being able to function oh god Mm. like I think I'm the worst person with no sleep I thought I could deal with it but actually no I've realized I'm not I'm a different person with no sleep (laughs) and my partner tries to like do anything to let me get more sleep because I think he just hates me as a person (laughs) when I've not had sleep because I'm horrible yeah yeah, I think they actually sometimes Matt's done that as well. My partner, he's gone, you know, have some more time in bed. It's fine. Like, I'll, I'll do it. I'm like, OK, then. But like, yeah, I think they do it. So it helps them out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because they don't want to have to deal with the wrath of a tired person in the morning. Speaking of relationships, I wanted to talk about postpartum sex with you because that's definitely something that us women all have burning questions about don't we and Mm -hmm. I mean I was part of a lot of mum groups still am on Facebook and Mm -hmm. a lot of the questions postpartum especially with a c-section as well was like when did you you know have sex for the first Mm -hmm. time what was it like has anyone experienced low sex drive like there's so many questions around it like how do you have sex when you're not very confident with your body right now and mm-hmm. um, this is something that you've spoken about as well on your mm-hmm. channel again which I love um, so just tell us your experience and like how long did you wait and what was it like <laughs> yeah so I actually I did a Q&A on my stories you know one of these asked oh. me anything Q&A and someone yeah. actually asked me if I had had sex yet and I hadn't really spoken about it before then And then I realised that I probably should because there's a lot of people out there who are postpartum and they're wondering, like, what is normal? Am I normal? Why do I not want sex? Why why am I feeling this way? So that's when I started to talk about it a bit more on my social media because I think it's really important to make people realise that they're not alone in the way that you feel postpartum. Mm. And we waited three months, so it was not too long ago. But having said that, there has only been one other occasion since then. So it's not as if we've kind of waited three months and then we're at like rabbits as normal. It's literally few and far between. <laughs> it is the last thing on my mind right now. And like just even the thought of it makes me tired. <laughs> and it's not because it's not good, because uh, it's great. It's absolutely great. And I did miss it. But it's just there's so many other things going on and to me right now this bed is for sleeping it is not for sex (laughs) I need sleep get off me I need to go to bed (laughs) like it's the last thing on my mind and 
when I did actually talk about this on my stories, and at this point we hadn't done it yet, so I posted on my stories about that and people were like, oh my God, like, thank you so much for mentioning this. I thought I was abnormal. I thought there was something wrong with me because I hadn't wanted it yet. Or even some people were saying, I'm literally repulsed by the thought of it. And I totally get where they're coming from. And I think we just need to talk about it more because it seems to be a bit of a taboo subject to talk about postpartum sex. But the more we talk about it, the more people will realise that it is totally normal to not want sex postpartum for even years. Like I remember after I'd had Bella, so she's two and a half now, even right up to getting pregnant with Bailey. So that was when she was just two or just over two. I still didn't really want it. It still kind of felt like that kind of chore because you've got a two-year-old and two-year-olds are hard work. You're still sleep deprived. You've still got a million and one other things going on. So definitely it can last a lot longer than what people think as well. And despite the fact that it's only been three months for me, that is still very few and far between. And did it hurt? Did it was it enjoyable? Like, was it yeah. good, not good? It was enjoyable and no, it didn't hurt. But having said that, I didn't have a C-section. And I know things are probably slightly different with C-section scars. And if you've had an episiotomy, I did have a grade two tear and a hell of a lot of stitches. I don't even know how many stitches. They were down there for like an hour. Mm. Who knows? And as a complication for those stitches things aren't quite right down there. So there definitely is this feeling of it being different. Mm. So it's not like it was before. And that can be quite uncomfortable, both in a sense of actual discomfort and also in your mind as well. You're kind of thinking, what are they thinking? Can they feel this different? So there is, is that discomfort in terms of that. It wasn't painful though. But I think you really just need to talk to your partner, talk about like the positions you're doing, tell them if you're feeling uncomfortable, change position. It's just all about communication. And and yeah, so if you've had a C-section, you might also have like a bit of a painful scar. I'm sure you can probably say a bit more about that, but it might just be a bit different. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because I feel like women are torn between still giving their partner what they need and want. Mm. And, you know, men aren't naturally kind of driven by sex, as we know. Mm. You know, not all men, I'm generalising, mm. but we know that there is mm. a higher sex drive for men than there is mm-hmm. women but equally there's women that also have high sex drive Mm. but that being said you know there is this kind of push and pull between like when you're in a relationship like wanting to fulfill your man and still give him what he needs and wants and still have that intimacy between Mm. you two as well because you don't want to lose that especially after having a baby yeah you know without you and him there is no baby Mm. there had to be you two first so it's really important to keep that there Mm. but then at the same time it's that I think there's a lot of women that feel pressure to have sex more early on because actually six weeks, which is like the general kind of how long you wait, <laughs> well, recommended in the UK, this is, you know, six weeks post-birth, you know, don't have sex before then. Mm. It's recommended, you know, you have it after then as long as you're all okay after your six-week checkup. Yeah. But for a lot of women, I know just by speaking to them, by six weeks, they're not ready to do it and I've got to say I did and I pushed it too quickly yeah and I'm sorry Matt but I didn't enjoy the first one Mm. I didn't because it actually hurt and you know I couldn't get into certain positions because of the c-section and also be honest I didn't like the way I looked I was actually kept putting it off putting it off Mm -hmm. because the main thing the reason why I didn't want to have sex is actually because of my body Mm. and 
happened because I had an overhang. I didn't like, I had a lot of weight on me. I just didn't feel good. I didn't feel good about myself, my body. I didn't feel confident. Mm. So when I did go to do it, I was trying to like cover up really. And I'll Mm. be totally honest, I had my knickers on still. And Matt was like, why have you still got your knickers on? Mm. Because I didn't want to take them off because of the overhang. I had them still on, you know, pulled it to the side, (laughs) TMI. Yeah. But <laughs> that's because I felt like I, you know, wanted to and keep that intimacy there. But at the same time, actually, I wasn't really ready for it. But yeah. and it did hurt. But actually, interestingly, it hurt in my vagina. It didn't hurt around my C-section scar. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. which I found. It was almost like there was kind of like a... But I don't know if this is mentally. I don't know if there was a block, mm, you know, yeah. like this is just what you said. It's not just about your body, is it, feeling ready? It's actually about your mind Absolutely, yeah. feeling ready for sex too. Yeah. And I guess like there's a lot of other challenges. Like like you said, you're tired. You can get really irritable with your partner because of that. You've also got resentment, mm-hmm. low sex drive, vaginal dryness. That's also another mm-hmm. common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we were talking about, like, you know, you can get the overhang or stretch marks that you're not quite comfortable with your partner seeing because you, your body's changed. Mm. Did you suffer with that in terms of like your body confidence after birth yeah definitely um I think this time around as well I found it a bit more difficult with the whole body thing this time around because I hadn't experienced it before I kind of was just waiting for my body to go back to normal and I was like oh it'll happen soon again social media you see these people talking about bouncing back and all of this yeah and I was waiting for that bounce back moment and because I didn't know how long it would take I had no time frame on it I was just waiting and it didn't ever happen because some people aren't fortunate enough to bounce back but I absolutely hate that term because sometimes you really have to work to get it back if you want it back. But I also hate the fact of saying you've lost your body because you haven't lost it. Mm. It's still there. It's grown and birthed a human being. Like, I think we need to be a lot kinder on ourselves. But this time around, I feel like I found it just that little bit harder Mm. to kind of come to terms with my body is going to stay this way kind of forever now because I know that from last time but I am I am on a journey and I am trying to fall in love with this new body of mine and I've kind of adopted new ways of thinking about about this body and actually falling in love with it and I did that quite early on after having Bailey so by the time it got to three months and us deciding to have sex I was kind of in a bit of a better mindset with that and trying to accept my new body the stretch marks the cellulite the overhang because I've also got an overhang even though I didn't have a c-section it's just there but I think also we're in terms of talking about your body it's the new vagina that you've come to have after having a baby Mm. because that's different as well and it's the worry of what your partner is going to think of that if they see it. I mean, the first time we did it, I demanded that the lights were off because I was like, absolutely not. You are not seeing that. It's a mess. It's a train wreck down there. Obviously, I don't know if it's a train wreck because I'm not going to look. But you just expect them to be kind of judgmental about it, even though that is probably the last thing on their mind. They're just grateful to get you back in the sack again. (laughs) They don't care what it looks like down there. Um, So, yeah, it's just the, the body as a whole, isn't it, has changed. It's not just your tummy and your stretch marks and things like that. It's absolutely everything. And also if you're breastfeeding as well, massive boobs yeah. everywhere, yeah. milk everywhere. You don't want to squirt them in the eye mid-sex. <laughs> so it's just, it's just everything. It's a lot to kind of take in when you're having sex. And there's a lot of things that are going to be going through your mind while you're having sex that are nothing to do with having sex itself. 
Yeah, do you know what? It's really funny you said about the boobs because obviously you have such a different relationship with your partner and your boobs before you have a baby and it changes obviously when the milk comes in and mm. you're like no like these are my baby's food get yeah. off <laughs> yeah, you don't have that same like you know it's not passionate and sexy is it <laughs> it's totally different no i know <laughs> they touch it and it squirts them in the eye <laughs> it's, just, um, it's just not sexy you, is it no what would you say to someone who might be struggling with their body comfort after birth and you know wanting to have sex but not feeling good enough to I definitely think you have to look at the whole thing of what your body has just gone through you I think we really take for granted as women that we're just gonna grow this baby we're gonna pop it out we're gonna we're gonna feed it and our bodies are just gonna snap back to normal but if you actually really like sit down and really think about what your body has gone through if you look at those pictures that you see online of your organs all squished inside while you grow this human being, you've stretched, you've had to grow like this massive, because they are massive if you think about it, this massive baby inside your tummy and then you've had to get them out. You've had to dilate to 10 centimetres and get them out or you've had to be cut open. Mm. To, you've had a major operation. A C-section is a major operation and they've had to come out and then you've then had to feed them. If you think about all of those things, you just need to be grateful for that body. Like you've grown that human being yourself and you've birthed that human being. And it's just an amazing thing that our bodies go through. And yes, you probably will have stretch marks and bits of your body that you don't like, but that's as a result of doing this amazing thing and that's bringing a human into the world. And I also think take yourself off social media if you're feeling that way about your body or at least mute or unfollow people who, who post pictures or videos of them bouncing back because that's not going to be good for your mental health at all. And I think maybe follow some more of the real accounts. There's loads of amazing accounts out there that share, you know, the real postpartum bodies with the overhang, the stretch marks and all of that and share them in such a beautiful way that it teaches you to learn to love those parts of your body. Yeah, that's really good advice, Lottie, honestly, really good advice. And also, I just think that if, you know, you need to focus on the reason why you're having sex as well we get so caught up in mm. you know what our bodies look like and being a certain look for a man mm. that you know we've been conditioned for many many years yeah we get so caught up in that that actually we forget the reason why we're even having it so actually focusing yeah. like as well as what you said but just focusing also on you know being loving and you know getting that intimacy back and actually focusing on why you're having sex in your relationship because yeah you know you're attracted to each other you love each other like actually take it back to mm. the reason behind it yeah. when I had like my overhang and everything I didn't want to have sex mm. but this is me coming from the perspective like looking back like I wish I just focused on mm. on that rather than focusing on everything that I dislike about my body yeah we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So, like, you kind of touched on this about following accounts that you really love and that you know do mm -hmm. share body confident images mm -hmm. and we are seeing more mums kind of being unfiltered just like you and I mm. um, which is amazing yeah. but do you feel like this in person with mums because I feel like when I've met mums so far I feel like there's still this 
like cage, like almost like everything's mm. together, like I'm doing everything all right. They don't actually share the reality of motherhood. What's your mm. views? Yeah, definitely with meeting new mums. I know with my friends, we literally talk about everything, um, like definitely the imperfect moments. But if you're meeting a new mum, I definitely think that they'd probably hide some of the things that they're doing or saying or thinking for fear of judgment. Mm. When actually, if they were to say those things to me, I wouldn't judge at all. And if anything, I'd probably help them by trying to remind them that I do exactly the same and that they're not alone. And this time there's been no groups to go to at all because of lockdown. But I know back when I had Bella and I was going to groups and things, it did still feel that way that no one was really sharing sort of the the real sides of motherhood. Everyone had like a full face of makeup on. Everyone was like doing their perfect like mum voices and not losing their shit with their baby when they wouldn't stop crying. So there's definitely this kind of trying to be that perfect mum. And yeah, but this time around, I just really haven't experienced it because there's been no groups to go to. But I definitely think if I was to meet some mums in person, they'd feel that need to show the kind of perfect side when actually they really don't need to. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of the more taboo topics. They're probably worried about what you might think of mm. of their, yeah. their choices, really. Yeah. What would you say to someone or to any mums listening about, you know, them being afraid to make their own choices based on judgment? How do they get past that? From having judgment about the whole combi feeding, formula feeding thing, I definitely think you need to kind of look at your situation and realise that the things you're doing, the decisions you're making are yours to make. They're no one else's and you make them for your family. I know when I made the decision to switch to combi feeding, I received so much judgment and I felt so much guilt for doing so. But then actually now a couple of months down the line, I'm looking back and I'm seeing how much difference it's made with Bailey. And he's just a happier baby. And so it was the right thing to do for our family. So you just have to ignore everyone else, focus on your own journey and what you're doing. There's always going to be judgment out there, unfortunately. That is just the way it is. And I think with accounts like ours, we share the real stuff. The higher our follow account goes, the more negativity we're likely to get. But we just have to accept it and accept that their opinion is their opinion. And we know that we're doing what's right for our family and that's on them they can just get blocked and remove themselves from our pages is all I can say yeah I guess I have a little bit more compassion for where you know these kind of judgmental mums sometimes now because I feel like it's probably come from something that maybe their mum has said to them or their gran has said to them or Mm. they have that opinion based on either something they've consumed Mm. it probably has come from down the family line or I, I try to think of it like that because sometimes it may not even be coming necessarily from them it's actually a thought that has been given to them or they've listened to and they're now sharing it thinking it's the best one because they've been told it but you know it may not be that but sometimes it helps thinking and sometimes I'm a little bit more compassionate now because I just think well actually judgment usually comes from that person and their own values their own fears their own opinions worries Mm. conditioning like it comes from all sorts of like factors doesn't it Mm. and they I mean there is a fine line between putting that on you in terms of telling you what to do because that's that's not cool Mm -hmm. really there's a way of saying it I think if you have an opinion and you think it's the right one there is definitely a way of messaging someone just to say have you tried this or have you thought about this Mm -hmm. this worked for me not saying that it might work for you but give it a go because actually some of those dms have been the most helpful dms that i've ever got Mm. and things that i've never known but it's the way that they've approached it rather than actually coming at you in a attacking way or in a 
you know, spiteful way or even just in such a judgmental way. Yeah. There is a difference, isn't there? Sometimes they don't mean it as well, I don't think, because I listened to a podcast with Sophie Hanna and she was saying that sometimes she replies to them and they say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it in that way. It just came across the wrong way. Yeah. So sometimes I think they just don't think when they're typing and they don't think that there's an actual person behind that account. Mm. And they need to actually think about what they're saying because that person's probably already having a hard enough time as it is. So they just need to have a think about how they're wording it before they go posting it on social media. And I think I'm probably guilty as well in some ways for taking what they're saying the wrong way because sometimes they probably are just trying to be helpful but I sometimes like I said if I'm hormonal sleep deprived or whatever I'm just I just fly off the handle when they say these things and I'm like emotional wreck in the corner so yeah social media is just sometimes a difficult place to navigate when it comes down to mum judgment and sort of being the perfect mum Oh, definitely. I mean, we can make excuses for people as well, you know, and at the same time, they're also just being dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them just are dicks and they just get blocked. I'm just like, okay, I'm not even going to read that. Goodbye. Do you know, like one of the worst things that someone said to you? Does one pop out? God. Someone called me repulsive once wow. on social media. I posted a picture of my mum, Tum, like everything out. This was after I'd had Bella and someone commented saying repulsive. But do you know what? Comments like that kind of just go over my head because I'm like, well, that's on you because this body is not repulsive. It has just birthed a baby. It is beautiful. So that's on you. But it's more the kind of comments like I was saying, like about my breastfeeding journey, because I know what I've been through. Nobody else knows. I do share on my social media a lot so people do know roughly what I've been through but I'm the only one experiencing it so who are they to come and say certain things and I think one of the most hurtful comments was someone saying that I hadn't tried hard enough Mm, with breastfeeding and that I should try to relactate and I should stop sharing that I'm going to combi feed because I've got over 20,000 followers and it's not right to be sharing that anything other than breastfeeding is okay. And that comment really got to me because I knew that I had tried a million percent to breastfeed. I mean, I, I couldn't have tried any harder. We did absolutely everything. So I knew that I'd tried. So who were they to come on and say any different? And I think at the time as well, because I was suffering with postpartum depression the breastfeeding journey itself was very tricky so that kind of was a bit of a low blow rather than the comments about you know looks and superficial things and actually you just saying about postpartum depression and you know your milk supply no one really speaks about this so mm-hmm. your milk supply decreases when you are stressed mm-hmm. when you're not I mean I, I learned this because I was put into hospital and I was really unwell mm-hmm. and I mean my my milk turned green because it was trying to protect you know my baby Mm. uh, because of the antibodies that start you know coming up to protect the milk and then I started to learn that actually because I couldn't pump Mm. I was trying to pump so hard so I could hand the milk to my Mm. partner to give to my baby but I learned then that actually your milk supply decreases significantly. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't aware I had postpartum depression. I was so in it that I didn't really realise I had it. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling, like you, anyway. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I actually had, you know, mum judgment while I was in the hospital because I wasn't trying hard enough, apparently, as well. <laughs> I mean, like you said, you know, kick someone when they're down and they're most vulnerable, That that's when Mm. you can actually turn around and say you are being a dick you're not being a very nice person right now yeah it just isn't needed to be said but no one really speaks about you know the link between if you are suffering with your mental health Mm. how that actually affects your body and how that affects your milk supply and Mm. you know I'm not coming at this from a scientific 
viewpoint to be totally honest I just learned it from Google yeah but no one really speaks about that side of it I mean Mm. there's very little information anyway around you know postpartum depression I honestly think that you should be given like a mummy MOT or like an overhaul before you go you know like how they check the babies in the hospital Mm. They need to be doing that. Yeah. You know, they should be doing like three checkups, I think, at least. Mm-hmm. There was an awful story on the news yesterday that a lady had, oh gosh, a baby was found in a lake dead. God. And, you know, they implied on the news that the mother is seeking mental health mm-hmm. attention. Yeah. And I said to Matt, my partner, this can be avoided. Mm. It can be avoided. So that poor baby, Mm. I know this is really deep and really depressing. I'm sorry, but it's reality. Mm. That poor baby died and perhaps it was because of her mental health and how bad it gets, but it can be avoided. There just isn't the process in place to do it. But yet we have midwives, but you're discharged pretty quickly. Mm. And I don't know, what's your view on it? Because I just think that there is not enough done with that side of things at all. No. And I don't know about you, but covid and lockdown has made it so much worse as well i definitely felt like there was much more support when i had my daughter than this time around and luckily this time around i obviously am a second time mum so i've i've had experience of baby blues before and i knew that this wasn't baby blues this time i knew that this was so much more so had i been a first time mum i might not have known that and i might have fallen deeper into a hole and kind of not been able to get out of it. But I knew that this was more. I was able to seek the help. But God even knows what would have happened if I was a first-time mum and didn't know that I was falling into this hole. I really don't think there is the support out there for mums. You have your six-week check. They do that checklist with you. Mm. Are you feeling suicidal? Are you you this? Are you that? And then they send you on your way. And at my six-week check, it was picked up that I was probably suffering with postpartum depression. And I was referred to the perimental health team, mm. but they didn't get in touch with me for about another maybe six weeks, by which time I was kind of out of the worst of it. So I dealt with the worst of it on my own, just with the support of my family and friends, because it felt like there wasn't that support. And especially in COVID, because the health visitors weren't coming out. So you didn't have that person to talk to and to kind of seek some support with. That's really interesting, actually, you saying that because I maybe this was because of COVID then, because when I went to the Mm. doctors for my six week checkup, it felt like she had no time for me. Mm. I went there with questions to her, but she she didn't do any of that it was more about Leo yeah and you know making sure he was okay which of course is really important but what about mummy too yeah again it comes down to postcode lottery then doesn't it because yeah. it's like a <laughs> who, who your doctor is or who your mm-hmm. hospital is and and there's no kind of consistency with it yeah like I didn't have that checklist it was only I had a phone call with a midwife and I mm-hmm. broke down because I was at a point where I just didn't know what else to do like I didn't feel yeah. connected to Leo I didn't feel that baby bubble that everyone goes on about and I was like oh my god what do I do mm. like I I meant to feel this way but again I guess that's pressure because you're meant to feel a certain way but yeah. equally there are signs but even if you were just to given like I don't know a fact sheet when you go home or a little you know little folder full of things that Mm. I don't know if some hospitals might do this but I didn't get this and I think just even going home with like how to spot postpartum depression yes we've got google at our fingertips but sometimes we're not Mm. if we don't know we've got it we're not going to google it you know like but if you've got a pack that actually says you might be suffering with, you know, postpartum depression if you've got X, Y, Z or postpartum anxiety, X, Y, Z or, you know, other things that also happen. Yeah. But also yeah. I think it's very different for everyone because when I had always heard of postpartum depression, I always kind of thought it was this not feeling a bond with your baby, not loving your baby, 
kind of resenting the baby. And I had none of that. I loved him to absolute teeny tiny pieces. <laughs> I had no resentment to him whatsoever. So I kind of thought, oh, this can't be postpartum depression then because that's all they seem to talk about when they refer to it. But actually, it comes in so many different forms. And I was experiencing postpartum depression, but just in a different way. Mm. So I think there really does need to be that one-on-one support so that you can be assessed and treated for it away from kind of what it says on Google or what it might say on a fact sheet that you're experiencing because it will be different for everyone. Absolutely. And also, you know, not everyone experiences postpartum depression or anxiety. It doesn't always go down kind of the mental health route either. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, and this is what I've spoken about a lot recently, it's the work that I'm doing as well, which is around like finding your identity after becoming a mum or, Mm. you know, finding your purpose again or how to juggle it or, you know, that mum guilt. There's loads more that actually don't require kind of mental health help, um, you know, like therapists or psychological help. There's actually that kind of middle ground where you just need a little bit of help to find who you are again. Yeah in kind of this new world or to help you with your body confidence so there's also all going back to postpartum sex as well like I didn't know that that was a thing that you didn't yes you didn't want sex after having a baby but nobody tells you these things you're just kind of left to figure it out on your own and hope that you're normal (laughs) because you're a woman because that's what we do apparently we just like you're a woman you have children you pop them out and off you go (laughs) crack on go go do it There is one question that I always ask my guests at the end of every interview, and that is how have you turned your pain into purpose? I think you just have to learn from pain and embrace it and use it to kind of move forward in life. I know that my most recent kind of thing that's caused me pain is the whole breastfeeding journey and the guilt that came alongside it, the actual physical pain that I had as a result of it. Seeing my baby in pain all the time was making me sort of feel pain. But you just kind of have to learn from it. And I know that myself and Bailey will have such a better bond because I know that I've tried so hard to feed him and it's made me stronger as a person pushing through all of those obstacles that we've had to overcome so I I really think you just have to kind of look at the pain learn from it and try and move on if you can but also accept that it may always still be there oh amazing well it's been so lovely to have you on please tell my listeners where they can find you oh it's lovely chatting to you i am over on instagram that is the only place that i am and it's at a little bit of lottie amazing thank you for coming on lottie thank you for having me bye this is the unfiltered life podcast with charlotte jonesy Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please subscribe, download and leave me a review. If you learned something new or just really enjoyed this episode, then why don't you share it with others by screenshotting it and sharing it on your stories. And don't forget to tag me so that I can see it. If you're interested in life or business coaching with me or any of my programs, then please head to www.charlottejonesy.com for more information. Hope to speak with you soon. If not, I will see you in next week's episode. Lots of love. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.